Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And as always, I am joined by my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? Lance, it's a great day. It's a great day to talk Steelers football. I'm excited to be here with you. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Before we jump into the show, I want to say I want to give a big shout out to my wife, uh, my wife, Linda Williams. We are celebrating 22 years of blissful matrimony we are celebrating this weekend so thank you guys thank you guys i got i got a little bit of credit hours underneath me 22 years of credit hours it's been a fantastic ride so i want to give a big shout out to my wife also want to give a big shout out to plant-based planet my boy superstar kwamala tv doing a fantastic job pushing vegan food also if you guys want to join the channel Go to YouTube, do a search for The New Standard. Please like and subscribe to the show. It really helps. Definitely getting us monetized and with the algorithm. Also, if you want to join the podcast and listen to it in your car as you drive, go to a popular podcast feed or do a search for Steelers and The New Standard. We got a lot of stuff we want to jump into. So I'm going to just jump right to Neil. And Neil, break down the news and notes and, and, and talk to something we talked to right before we started about the significance of the injury of Sam Darnold and how that just might impact the whole situation with Mason Rudolph. Ankle sprain, high ankle sprain. They are not sure how long he's going to be out. I'm not sure how much I cut out there, but Sam Darnold, Panthers quarterback, injured in the team's game the other night. And uh, they are not sure right now exactly how long he'll be out. It looks like a couple weeks at least. What we've been saying, Lance, from the beginning of all this is any kind of trade market for Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph is going to depend on injury situations to quarterbacks across the league throughout training camp and the preseason. And a big one might have fallen. Here's the reason why. Baker Mayfield, acquired by the Panthers back this offseason, was brought in along with Sam Darnold to compete for their starting job. Mayfield had already won the starting job, and last night's game was irrelevant uh, for the Panthers as far as their quarterback competition goes. They don't have a backup with significant experience. P.J. Walker, you might remember him, XFL fame from uh, two years ago, I believe it was, is still there. Is he enough to say he's a backup quarterback? Is Darnold going to be out long enough uh, to suggest they need to bring in somebody else. The first one they'll probably look at would be Mason Rudolph. Uh, some of that might be due to the fact that former Steelers minority owner, David Tepper now owns the Carolina Panthers and is familiar with Mason Rudolph and the game that he has his ability. His salary is one. The Panthers can fit in under the cap. Question is whether or not they want to give up assets for him. I would pose a second question to that. Do the Steelers want whatever assets that would uh, be what assets would the, the Steelers need in exchange for the Panthers to overcome the, the perhaps temporary need that they have at the quarterback position that that I think is kind of going to be the fulcrum question of uh, the whole situation. I'm let's, not entirely let's, sure. It's let's, worth let's do the this Panthers real quick. Time. Let's <laughs> do this real quick. I'm Carolina. You're the Steelers. We'll give you a seventh round pick for Mason Rudolph. You asking me? Probably. Yes. I don't. I don't know. Probably not. It, it, here's the thing: if I've come this far, if I'm the if I'm the Steelers, if I come this far, having the three quarterbacks that I have, all three of whom, let's be honest, they've they've done pretty well from what we've yeah. seen, for what we can measure, they've done pretty well. I'm not against any of the three of them in relation to each other on my roster. The seventh round draft pick does absolutely nothing for me right now. It does little more than that later on, considering, not ironically, Steelers just cut their seventh-round quarterback in the first yes, round of cuts. Yes. So what does that do for me? If I'm already committed to spend seven, or excuse me, $3 million in salary this season for Mason Rudolph, what does the seventh-round draft pick do for me that's worthwhile? How about a fifth-rounder? Fifth round I would do, except there's the Steelers' curse. You know how <laughs> the Steelers treat fifth round draft picks as if they're some type of voodoo curse we know that because they literally trade their fifth round pick as soon as they get it most years 
They trade it for players who basically don't need to be on their team at all. Extreme depth, very low-end players. They don't like fifth-round draft picks. That, that's a topic for a whole other show. I can, I can give you some possibilities of why that might be. Uh, I do think that that has some value to them in terms of a trade asset for something they might need during the season. That's happened before. That's when they've used their fifth-round pick. Avery Williamson, Nick Vanette, these are players that they acquired and then buried on their own depth charts after acquiring them in season for a fifth-round draft pick. Seems like that's what they want to use those picks for. So they don't have it now. I believe they, they traded it already. Um, I don't remember for who. Maybe somebody can help me out. Uh, but they, I, if they could get that back and they had the ability to deal that for, for something else, I could see them wanting to do that. Otherwise, I don't think you do. I, I think you just keep him. You're already in the spot. I think Rudolph has done pretty well. You need a bit more than a seventh. But as you know, Lance, Nick Mullins went from Las Vegas to the Vikings for a conditional seventh-round draft pick. Nick Mullins is not really dissimilar from Mason Rudolph. So I don't think he has a market high enough for a fifth. I don't, I don't see where that's going to come from. I think it'd be interesting if the trade happens because typically the Steelers, as we both know, they carry three quarterbacks. And I, I think, and we're going to break into our discussion about Kenny Pickett. I, I think Kenny Pickett is clearly the number two going into the season. Um, I think Trubisky is still going to start. We'll talk about that, though. You need three quarterbacks. I mean, there is some value there because you would have a very inexperienced player as your number two. Not sure the Steelers would object if the Kenny Pickett experience started early or not, you know, a little bit early due to injury or whatever. I don't think they would be opposed to that. But I I do like the idea of having three, and I do like the idea of having a experienced two slash three in Mason Rudolph. But put put a percentage on this deal in this conversation with Carolina. What's your thoughts? Do you think it's going to happen? And by the way, I saw a very interesting interview. I don't know what David Tepper looks like. Um, and I was watching an interview uh, with Steve Smith and the owner of Carolina. And he was talking. I was like, this guy's from Pittsburgh. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? I was like, this guy's from Pittsburgh. And then, and then it's so, you know, it's David Tepper. I was like, and I think Tepper's the name of Carnegie Mellon's business school. I think it's the Tepper School of Business. Not a coincidence. Uh, you know, my he, alma mater. He basically bought that, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> yes. So what's your odds on if you think this will happen? I, I would not say it's very high. I think both teams would take a look. Uh, just because it's it's due diligence, I think they might talk. But again, I think the market is set as a condition at a conditional seventh round pick, and I I just don't think the Steelers get anything from that that they would want. They're not going to cut him. They don't need to cut him. They've needed a backup quarterback each of the last what three seasons uh, in in which the season hung in the balance without one. Uh, <clears throat> plus, here's the thing that I, I think we really need to look at, Lance. There's a difference between your in game dressed backup quarterback and your next week's starter in the event of injury. Those are not necessarily the same things. Kenny Pickett has looked fantastic in, in the role that they've given him to play right now. I think against Jacksonville, he showed something. I don't think that the first game was really much of there, there wasn't really anything spectacular. He wasn't asked to do a whole lot against Jacksonville. He definitely was. And they put him into that situation for that reason to see if he had it. And he did, he did a great job. Um, you're very excited about his progress. If you're keeping three quarterbacks in week one, and as we both agree, Trubisky's your starter, your backup needs to be the guy that can come in off the bench and, and replace the starter in the event of injury or other horrible things that might happen. And they also need to be reading what the defense is doing, communicating with the quarterback's coach and the offensive line coach, huddling up with the starter to go over everything. You need an experienced guy to do that. And right now, that's not, that's not Kenny Pickett. I think if, if you're keeping Rudolph, he's the guy that's going to dress for you, unless you're going to dress three. I don't think they're going to dress all three of them. There's not really much of a point in doing that. So if that if that role is something uh, that Mike Tomlin feels Kenny Pickett can do, or God help us, Mitch Trubisky doesn't need that, I, I would imagine they would want Rudolph to fill that role. If that's the case, though, let's say, not wishing for this, let's say Mitch Trubisky gets injured in week one. Rudolph comes in and takes over. Does Rudolph have to start in week two? I don't think no. so. 
I, I, that, I don't think there's any reason for that. Why can't they compete for it? That's why yeah. you'd keep three. And I think that's a that's a plausible scenario. I, I don't see that necessarily as as never being something that could happen. So if you're going to keep all three of them, which we suggest could be the case, considering they cut a seventh round rookie Chris Oladokun in, in the first round of cuts, if you're only if you're going to keep those three quarterbacks uh, on your active roster, which wasn't necessarily the case, if you had Oladokun, you could still release Rudolph and, and put him on your practice squad, so you have three in your meeting room at least during the week. If that's what you're going to do, Rudolph is your your number two on game days. And I I don't think that's really even close to a bad move. I think that that's what you need to do. That's a great distinction that you made because I think when we think about it very quickly or we just think about it, you're thinking, well, he's the number two. He's going to dress. And so he has gonna, to. He has to. Dress. Yeah. And I think that's a very interesting distinction because I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Given Kenny Pickett's level of experience, I think there is a scenario where he doesn't dress. Rudolph would dress if Rudolph is still on the roster. Yes. And then they would compete for the position or who's going to start over the course of the week that they'll want to get him a full week of practice in Mm -hmm. with the the game plan as the starter to get everyone acclimated to Kenny Pickett being the starter. Uh, You you say the same thing I do in in far less words. Good for you for doing that. (laughs) And that that's spot on. And to be honest, it's not rare. It, it, the Steelers have done that before. It, it's a question of between two and three, who's going to start if if Roethlisberger goes down for an extended period of time. And if we've most recently, what we've seen is Mason Rudolph was the guy who came in to replace Ben when he got hurt, and then Rudolph got knocked across the Allegheny, and Duck Hodges then came in. When Rudolph was back healthy, they still competed for that starting job. That wasn't just given to one of them because of a number on a, a, a depth chart that, frankly, Mike Tomlin has said repeatedly, the only reason he even fills it out is because he has to. We have no reason to put stock into it. So whatever we want to make out of number two versus number three means absolutely nothing. It, it's it's pointless. What we know is Pickett right now would not <clears throat> it is not likely to fill better the role of the game in-game backup quarterback than Rudolph would. And that's not a question of skill or anything like that. It's a question of experience. And the Absolutely. Steelers have gone with that guy every year, basically. Josh Dobbs' biggest value was he saw the field a little bit, but he was very smart, and Ben liked working with him. He liked having him there for observations, to bounce stuff off of, to look at the defense and, and, and give his you know opinions on what's going on. It wasn't that Josh Dobbs is a great quarterback. It, it's just simply that he knows the game very well, and Ben trusted that. The backup's job is to help prepare the starter and to help the starter execute during games. Rudolph is going to be better at that right now than, than Kenny Pickett will be because Pickett doesn't have any NFL experience. It's that simple. I agree. And since we're talking about Kenny Pickett and the title of the show is, is Kenny Pickett the one? And I'm going to toss that question to you, Neil. But before I do, you guys know me. If you guys have been listening to me and Neil, this is the no hyperbole zone. We 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 do not get into hyperbole. Uh, we try to temper our excitement at the door and, and try to give you the God's honest truth. And, and we try to be uh, very objective. Uh, I, I think one of the great things about the show is Neil does a fantastic job of uh, providing some behind the closed door stuff, particularly about the transactions and the machinations of football and what goes on. And also, Neil brings a fantastic knowledge of the game, the X's and O's aspect of the game in and of itself. And, But I think the beauty of our show is we don't hold back. We don't pull any punches. We're just going to call it as we see it. I mean, we are two Western Pennsylvania Pittsburgh guys. I mean, I don't think we could do it any other particular way. With all that said, I'm excited about Kenny Pick. With all that said, I'm excited about Kenny Pickett. Let me just say this. Years ago when Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie, I think this was the game against the Dallas Cowboys in his first season when he came back and led the comeback against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, everything that I said, my dad from Woods Run, from Manchester, is... 50 times whatever I am in terms of skepticism, 
no hyperbole zone, so on and so forth. My dad called me and texted me after that <laughs> comeback and said, son, we got our guy. We've got our guy. That's all he said. I'll talk to you later. And based on that comeback, he hit the nail on the head. I'm going to say this. That throw to Friermuth. Staring the gun down the barrel. Great base. <laughs> that wasn't even touched. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the touch, the anticipation thrown into. I, mean, I jumped off the couch and said, I think we got the one. I think we've got the one. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be a Hall of Famer. That doesn't mean tomorrow he's going to be as good as Ben Roethlisberger. That doesn't mean he's going to be the best quarterback in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. What that does mean is he doesn't look like Desmond Ritter. He doesn't look like Malik Willis. He looks like absolutely they got the scout and the evaluation right, that he checks all the boxes to be that guy to move this franchise forward. And the picket era is going to start sooner than later the last thing that i want to see and maybe we'll see it tomorrow i want to see him manage a ton of drives i want to see him play quarter and a half two quarters but i'm 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 what is it bullish i always get this stuff right bullish and bearish bullish is bullish? bullish is aggressive yes i'm bullish. bullish attack out yeah. bears attack down see you know i'll never forget it now see 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 and also neil's great benefit to the show is he corrects my bad usage of words and cliches <laughs> um I, i'm absolutely bullish on kenny pickett am i overreacting to that throw did i see i mean did it i mean it just gave me warm and fuzzies i was just like man i think we got our guy i i think they have found the next guy the only thing with kenny pickett but i think physically he's good enough he, he's just not a, a, a pop-off-the-screen traits guy like a Justin no. Herbert or a Josh Allen or somebody like that. But as Richard Krikorian said, I'm surprised Lance is on the train so soon. I, I, I got a ticket, and it's not in coach. It's first class, baby. What's your <laughs> thoughts on Kenny Pickett? Um, I will give you this as – uh, all of the ac expert level master understanding I have of the quarterback position, having having been a quarterback in high school, I can tell you this. As a fan, watching it, understanding what Pickett had to do from the time getting the ball to his hand, seeing the unchecked pass rush that was in his grill pretty much immediately for him to shuffle through. And it, Frymuth was... No one's going to tell you this, but you just know when you see it. You look at the field, the way the picket reacted to the field, Frymuth was not the primary option on that play. He checked off of that. He saw where Frymuth was going to be, not where he was, where he was going to be. Quickly adjusted himself and delivered a perfect strike on a very difficult but very important throw. If anything, it, it was almost as if Mike Tomlin wanted or one excuse me wanted picket to be in that situation with the clock melting down without even a shred of pass protection to run that play so he could see where Frymuth was going to be against that pass rush and be able to hit him on a dime to see if he had the pardon the expression the balls to to play in this league and he did he hit it dead on it was perfect it was an absolutely perfect play for me that was my reaction was similar to yours. I think it went something like I stood up and oh f yeah, Kenny. That that's that's the play. It was perfect. You can't ignore that sort of thing. That's largely what makes the difference between a good NFL quarterback and an average one. Being able to read that play. You know what the, the little hidden secret is? Ben didn't throw guys open like that. Ben loved to stand tall, fight off, and, and then go off schedule. They set up one of the first teams to do this. If you want, we'll, we, in, in coming years, we'll get into the legacy of Ben Roethlisberger. One of those legacies is that team 
Heinz uh, Ward, Randall L., Lee Mays, those guys, they had secondary routes on plays. They were the first team to have scheduled secondary routes. When this one didn't work and you didn't get the ball, if the play is still alive, you then go here. They did it on schedule for Ben to go off schedule because that's the way he wanted to play the game. Pickett is not that kind of athlete. He doesn't have that kind of arm, but he can make something out of the play that he's given. And frankly, if Mitch Trubisky could do that in week one, they might have a chance. I'm not sure that Mitch Trubisky's all that good at that either. So it, it's what I see from Pickett, and I, I've been saying this since he was drafted and before he was drafted, the sum of his whole is greater than the sum of his parts. Okay. He does not have a great arm. He has okay, you know, a, a, a little above average mobility. He can move around. Um, his accuracy is all right. It's not great. He doesn't do anything at a high level, except he puts everything together on a play-to-play basis, on a snap-to-snap basis, and he rises above what he has. And he does that consistently. The internet dorks in, in draft Twitter and all that dog him for, for his deep ball, and I don't understand why. He throws a deep ball, in, in my opinion, better than anybody else was in this class, easily compared to this class. And he could be a, a very effective deep ball thrower. Is it going to go 80 yards? No, he doesn't need it to go 80 yards. I mean, you make a 40-yard throw. That, that's that's helpful on a football field. You know, 80 might be a little bit here and there, but he can make those kinds of throws. In my opinion, it's because Kenny Pickett is competitive enough. He has that drive about him that he puts everything together for those big plays because that's what he wants. He loves that. He loves playing the game. He loves competing. And guys will run through a wall for him. And I think we saw that. Everyone's saying it up and down. The, the tenor of the offense completely changed when he got in the game. It's absolutely true. What else do you attribute that to except for, wow, I've got confidence in this guy. If you watch this team play when Trubisky was in, and no disrespect to Trubisky, the offensive line all looked like they were hung over and took dumps in their pants. I mean, it was it was awful. It's we're not that they were significantly that. better when Pickett was in there, but Pickett just made them pay for coming after him. He just has that it factor, and it, it's fun to watch. Um, none of this means that he's not going to go out and not perform particularly well against Detroit on, on Sunday afternoon. But I don't know. I don't think he's a great quarterback where we sit right now, but there are a lot of things to really like about him. We should be excited about him. If we have to immediately go to the same bullshit that everyone called me out for on here last week as far as being excited about George Pickens, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that he's a, a all-pro quarterback. I'm not saying he's Josh Allen. I'm saying he's a good NFL quarterback. I'm surrounded by Vikings fans who hate Kirk Cousins so much, they want Kellen Mond to play, okay? That's how bad the situation is to, to Vikings fans. Kirk Cousins is an above-average NFL quarterback. You cannot expect Josh Herbert, just, <laughs> Justin Herbert, to be the standard of quarterback play. Those guys are so far above and beyond what's normal you can't look at that as your indication because you're not going to get that guy at 20 overall. Kenny Pickett has every opportunity to be a good quarterback, and he's shown that in the time that we've seen him up to this point. I'm excited to see what he can do tomorrow. His career is not going to begin or end based on his performance, but what we have seen to this point, we should be encouraged about a guy who is probably going to be starting next season. When you look at Kenny Pickett, he is the – absolute definition of a high floor low ceiling player probably and you know that's what he is and you can win consistently in this league with Kirk Cousins level of quarterback play it just means and it just means that other areas of your roster have to be rock solid when you have a Herbert or you have a Mahomes or a Rodgers or a Brady, you know, again, I'm going to get a cliche wrong. Um, All tides get lifted. Well, anyway, you guys (laughs) know. High tide rises all ships. High tide rises all ships. That's what elite quarterbacks, tier one guys do. When you have a tier three guy like a Cousins, you know, you just need a little bit of help. But you have quality quarterback play pretty consistently week in week out that gives you an opportunity to win one thing you touched upon and you talked about the offensive line looking like it was hung over Houston 
I think we have a problem with pass protection. Let me give you some of these PFF grades for the pass protection in the game from the offensive line. Kendrick Green, 31.9. John LeGlue, 36.2. James Daniels, 38.7. Mason Cole, this year. 44.4. Five million dollars this year. Dan Moore Jr. 49.9. Now that's overall pass grades. Now, in terms of just true pass sets, James Daniels, 23.4. Mason Cole, 39.2. John LeGlue, 44.3. Dan Moore Jr., 35.8. Houston, we have a problem. As, as bullish as we are on Kenny Pickett, the beauty of football, it always comes back to the trenches. It always comes back to the trenches and the foundation of your football team, in my opinion, starts on your offensive line. They set the tenor. They set the tone. That's the foundation of your football team. If you have a weak foundation, you cannot build a house. You cannot have a home. It's going to crumble. When you look at their foundation of their offensive line from a pass protection perspective, it looked absolutely terrible. It, I mean, it was, I mean, I don't think I've seen it as bad so soon, so quickly. Dan Moore Jr., that looks like, I don't know if that's going to work. He's so <laughs> he he is so just not sure about I mean, this. I'm, I'm just I, I, I don't know. I mean, he is so susceptible to outside speed idea. rush. I mean, this this is susceptible to everything. There's not I mean, like there's one weakness they're exploiting. He's getting just whipped in every area of the game. People keep wanting to come up with all these different technical sounding reasons. The guy is getting his ass kicked. It's that simple. It doesn't matter what they're doing. They're getting through to the quarterback on every snap. I mean, it, it's uh, if it's not, it, it, it needs to be somebody. I know that. I am not somebody that lines one person up at a time to assign blame as if that's our sole purpose for being fans. I'm sure Mike Tomlin noticed the problems that they had, and I'm sure there are several people involved. But what we are talking about is without – hyperbole some of the worst pass protection i have ever seen at the nfl level i don't care if it's a super bowl or a preseason game it was awful absolutely awful i'm not going to blame just the player because frankly you're in an nfl level all of those guys have played before if this is a rookie all right it might be a different story all of them have played before for you to get beat that badly that consistently unless you're going up against mean joe <clears throat> Deacon Jones roided it up and, and advanced evolutionarily to today's standards. You shouldn't be giving up pressures on three of seven snaps. Okay. That's horrendously bad. That's the NFL is based on parody. Okay. There should be an equal amount of, of give and take, not destroying the other guy. Defensive players are going to get sacks. It's a very hard position to play offensive tackle. You need to be successful at minimum 94% of the time. But when you're successful 45% of the time, you either shouldn't be there or something that they're telling you to do is, is grossly not working. And that we can go through the whole list. Read them off again, Lance. Those are, are horrendous numbers, by the way. I don't think they give grades lower than like 31. Whatever their scoring system is, I'm not sure. It doesn't oh, go no. much lower than that. No, I'm just thinking do. of Animal House, you know, Lukarski. 0.1 GPA. Congratulations. You're the top of the Delta Pledge class. That was Dan Moore in pass protection. <laughs> no, was... they do they do give grades below 31. James Daniel got a 23.4. All right. So, so now they're setting new, they're setting new lows. Okay. <laughs> That's two series worth of play. Two series. It was horrendous. We don't need to rehash that. I think we've talked about it. I don't know how how much. I would expect the offensive line to be standing on its head tomorrow against against Detroit, just simply because you could count on one finger the amount of times Mike Tomlin has gone to the press and acknowledged 
how badly specifically he chewed out one group of players on the field in the preseason. He doesn't do that. That's how bad it was. And that's not overreaction. That's not hyperbole. It was that bad. Trust me on this. If they perform anything like that in week one, wow, something something really, really got missed. It looked, it looked worse than any point last season to me. It, it, was, it was a worse performance than anyone they had last year. And they had two rookies starting last year. Speaking of Tomlin, you know, Tomlin is very good with the quips. And I think the one from this week what was the best I've heard in a while. I don't send messages. I make moves. Speaking of moves, and it's a Grayson Brown's point. We're not saying that PFF, in terms of its grading and scoring, is the be-all to end-all. What I do say and why I like PFF is, if you've ever tried to watch film consistently, it is a, it's laborious. Now, whether you grade it like I would grade it or think about it like I think about it, I, I appreciate the labor that they put into it to get all that stuff out and go through all that film. It is a ton of work. Um, there, but I, it, I, just to add this to it, I, I get why people hate PFF. I, I have a whole thing about that I'm not going to get into. They're better at it than you are, okay? Just I'll, I'll say that. You might not agree. There's a lot of semantics that are involved with it. A lot of it comes down to definition because it, when the rubber meets the road, this is a subjective art, okay? E evaluation is not scientific. It's not black and white. There are a lot of different things that can come into it. They have a reasonable process that does make sense. And I will say this, if we are talking about the Steelers offensive line against Jacksonville in preseason week two, if their grades were low, they were right. Okay. The depth of, of how low it could get, it's beside the point. They were accurate. If they said collectively, all of them sucked in that game, they were right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just, yes, it's the level of suckage. I mean, what number do you want to put on it? I mean, but when Mike Tomlin says, I don't send messages, I make moves. I think that sounds good. I mean, that's great. It sounds good. It's a funny quote. Let, let, let's peel the onion back a little bit. Because it, it's great to say that, but the bigger issue is why is the offensive line looking this bad? The second issue is, you know, I don't send messages, I make moves. Well, one of the moves that Mike Tomlin did make was they drafted more. Made a lot of moves. <laughs> they made a lot of moves. They drafted made a lot of moves. They signed Cole. They signed Daniels. Maybe, now maybe more try sending some messages. <laughs> now, I don't know. Aside from the message of duck, help, run for help <laughs> when it comes to the offensive line and get the out of the way. Help, you know, go get some garlic, some ro <laughs> a rosary and some holy water. I mean, besides all of those messages, I mean, we can't let Tomlin off the hook with that, you know, with that funny quote. I mean, it's a great quote. It's great for the open mic segment, but we can't let Tomlin off the hook. I mean, you went out there and you signed Daniels and you signed Cole and you drafted more. What is going on with the evaluation of the offensive line? Now, the Steelers do a fantastic job. Now, they do a fantastic job at the wide receiver position. We see it over and over and over again. We see certain teams, they identify certain players better in certain positions better than others. What do you attribute the inconsistency of this offensive line play? And what do you attribute to uh, you know, them going out and getting a Daniels and getting a Cole and the returns look like this, not to say that those guys can't improve because, man, just having a, a pulse would be an yeah, improvement. I don't, I don't, improving uh, I mean, should not be a challenge at all. I mean, it I should mean. not be a challenge. I mean, what do you attribute to these moves? I don't send messages. I make moves. And all of these moves not hitting the mark. I mean, what are you attributing to their inconsistent play so far? Is it coaching? Is it technique? Is it the guys just aren't that good? What did this? What do you think the Steelers saw when they 
were thinking about signing these players in free agency, just look into your Neil Straball, your crystal ball, and just give me your thoughts on it. If, if we're two different segments of this, and I want to hit on what, what Monsoon posted here, because that that's absolutely the top of it, but that's not what you just asked, Lance. If, if we're digging into the personnel, you have to, to consider the possibility that these guys were were mid round picks. Okay. Um, Dan Moore Jr. was a fourth-round draft pick who played fairly well in a zone-based offense, and he hasn't really done that to, to this point. They're asking him to do different things. Um, Kendrick Green was a guy that <clears throat> played guard, switched to center, played center in the NFL, was switched back to guard, and no one's really sure if he was ever good at either one of them. And to this point now, I would have told you six months ago, there's no way Kendrick Green could be worse at guard as he is at center. And somehow he is. Dan Moore, not good. James Daniels, free agent. Bears fans were not sad to see him go. Bears fans sold you up and down. You know, not worth the money that the Pittsburgh just spent. I disagreed with that. I've watched James Daniels for two preseason games, and I think he should be working at the snack bar. I think it's been that bad to this point. It doesn't add up. There are misses on guys, and there are colossal mistakes. If James Daniels alone is responsible for the level of play that he's been at, at this point, that's one thing. What I would ask is considering you've gone from Mike Munchak to Sean Serrett to Adrian Clem and now to Pat Meyer, you've had four offensive line coaches in the last four years. This is your fourth. The three prior to that, one left, two got fired essentially. All right. Okay. Two left for reasons that weren't their own. Well, Sarah, I think got fired. Clem left, but Clem was absolutely going to get fired. The lack of continuity above everything else, I think is the problem here. And it's a problem we knew they were going to have again, because just like last year, while they don't have rookies this time, they do have a bunch of new players in new positions. It's hard to overcome that. Let's go back just a couple of years when the Steelers offensive line was really good. They committed a bunch of money and first round picks to Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro. They got Alejandro Villanueva on a, a pretty affordable extension for a left tackle. Ramon Foster was on like his fourth contract with the team and started for seven, eight straight years, something like that. And Marcus Gilbert, to, to some degree, was your right tackle, replaced by Matt Filer, who did pretty well and had been with the team for, for three years prior to that. They had a, a, a trove of players who were coming up that they had developed, that had worked in the same system with the same coach, the same offensive coordinator, and the same quarterback. Continuity matters among your offensive line. And they have the exact opposite of that now, and they have the exact opposite of last year. And they're still the opposite of what they were last year. So they're starting over yet again. I don't think it's purely a personnel issue, but I also don't think that I, I said this repeatedly over the year. Just because you go sign new offensive linemen does not give you a better offensive line. Yeah, it gives absolutely. you a higher ceiling. You can grow into it. Not going to happen right away. Uh, I, I, I forget who it was or the, the one reporter, I won't mention his name, uh, from The Athletic, got roasted for, for suggesting this um, earlier this week. This offense is going to struggle early in this season. It could be three, four games. It's going to really struggle because there are a ton of new pieces that they have to work in. This is not Madden, okay? You can't just plug guys in and expect great things to happen. They have to build themselves. That's going to take a while, all right? They might make a couple plays. Everyone betting on how great Najee Harris is. You're right. He's not going to have any room to run the ball anywhere because they don't have an offensive line that's played together. So it, it takes time to develop that. We're going to rip it. Okay, well, trust me, we'll be at the front lines. We'll we'll gnash our teeth and wring our hands along with you guys, but it, that that doesn't fix anything. They've got things they need to fix. There are personnel issues. There are schematic issues. All these things have to come together, and they need to get in the lab and figure it out. Okay, that that's their job. They're professionals. They're being paid to do that. They'll figure it out to the best ability that they can. Last season, they ironed out a lot of the problems that they have. I think they have a higher ceiling this year than they did. They can grow better than they were last year, and they might be able to, to, to get that process going a little bit earlier in the season. But rest assured, they're not going to be good right away. They're going to be a problem, and there's no way Mike Tomlin is, is not expecting that.
You know, according to my grades on TNSFF, you know, and I need you guys to subscribe to TNSFF immediately. Uh, you know, we're we're selling subscriptions of one ninety nine a month. We'll give it to you for a discount, about the same price as the Athletic. Every time the Athletic drops their price, I'm mad because I paid the original yeah, exactly. price for the Athletic. I'm just really upset everybody about else that. Off so they don't re-rescribe uh, You know, Welcome in terms to the of subscription my, business, yes. You know, in terms of my TNSFF grade, you know, I have a stack called T Rex Arms, and you know, when you count T Rex Arms. When, um, you, you know, your T-Rex arms, your arms are close to your body when you have a 33, 34 inch length and you're trying to block someone, that's not very good. <laughs> it feels like to me that they're they're stuck. Like, I'm glad you brought it up. It feels like they're thinking and they're stuck between some approaches. Now, we, we both know Kendra Green is not very good. That he's not a good football. Really, really is just that simple, and, isn't it? You know, it's just. But he got beat on an inside swim move, literally at the snap. And I mean, I've never seen it. It was just open the gates, swim move. I mean, me and my dad watched the play several times. We didn't just watch him getting beat on the swim move. We were looking at the steps that the defender did not stop. He did not stop. So out of his stance, there was no hesitation. It was apply the move, buy him, go. It it was like almost like he was running unblocked. It, it, it was, I mean, it's, like it's a drill. I mean, exactly. It looked like a drill. It looked like Warm he was doing snap. the practice swim move on, 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 on the blocking sled. Uh, I've, or, I've heard, and I, I don't know how valid this is just because the, the source itself, I, I wouldn't suggest is is an expert of uh, offensive terminology or or strategy but i've heard what meyer is teaching them is kind of a, a, a catch blocking technique which is to say in in pass protection you're usually dropping back to kind of get balanced and and ready to to deal with the move as as the defender's making it what they're doing instead is moving into them and like catching them so you kind of try to cut off uh, their their initial move. So if it is that swim move and Green recognizes it, you get into him as he's doing it, he's not going to have the, the full range of motion of that move. And you can tie him up that way. And then you have the ability and the energy to to counter and, and move him where you need him to go. I don't know if that's true or not. I would say this, though, as far as Kendrick Green is concerned, it looks like that's what he's trying to do, perhaps. And he's just not knowing when to do it. He doesn't have the timing to do it. And he's missing. That's why it looks like he's not moving at all when they come up to him. Like he's not even aware that they're there. Um, technique could be a, 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 a part of this. It, that could be something that gets fixed as you go. Um, let's not necessarily suggest that they're dead in the water now. And to be fair, I know everybody hates this. And I'm always the person that's going to, to point it out. But Jacksonville's got some dudes on that defensive line. Okay. That the, the number one overall, that Walker kid's a beast. All right. He 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 gave poor Dan Moore all he could handle in, in that outing. And then um, Arden Key is a damn good player. They they had some highlights, boy. I mean, I'm not I I'm not saying the Steelers did a whole lot to prevent that, but those dudes were getting after it and they're aggressive. Bet you know, on Jacksonville. Take the over on Jacksonville this year. I'm telling you, know, you it's now, inter- it's, in- it's interesting. Coach. Very rarely in the NFL. Do you get tape or film where both sides, for opposite reasons, take it with a grain of salt? The Steelers were blocking so poorly that when you look at the film from the Jacksonville perspective, you can just say, well, I know we're not that good. I think they were struggling. From the (laughs) Steelers' standpoint, you can look at it and say, it doesn't matter what they did. We're terrible. I know we're not bad. We're struggling with this technique. We had a bad day. So it's really weird that you get probably the same evaluation from different ends Mm -hmm. of the spectrum. It's really weird. But that leads us into a question. That's another point. And I think I know where you stand on this one. There's no way in the world, regardless of if Kenny Pickett is the next one, there's no way in the world that Kenny Pickett could start game one with this offensive line the way it's playing. 
I, I don't I, think that's not your reason why, but you know, you, you gotta start somebody. Kenny Pickett is paid to play football just the same as Mitch Trubisky is. Why you're okay with throwing the seven and a half million dollar quarterback out there behind this offensive line? You shouldn't be happy right now with the offensive line, period. I mean, that that's just that's just acceptable fact. Somebody has to start. I don't, you know, you're not Kenny Pickett isn't the number one overall pick nursing an injury right now. All right. He's a competitor. He's paid to be out there. If you need him to be out there, get him out there. The reason is he doesn't know enough yet. He's not going to be advanced enough yet that the offense can be fully run through him. There are things that he's good at. There are things that he can do. But your playbook is going to be less deep with a young quarterback. And the shallower you are, the quicker they're going to figure out what you're doing. And they're going to be a step ahead of you in a week or two. And they're going to crush you. Long term, it's not a good idea until he has the full playbook. That's that's a great that's a great point. And and that's a great point the way you framed it. I think when I'm looking at it now as you say it, you can't start Kenny Pickett game one, not necessarily due to the inconsistency of the offensive line, which would absolutely play into it, but it's his level experience isn't such that he can mitigate some of the issues yeah. of the offensive line. And, so and that's he, not even a bad thing. It's just yes. that, that's what it is. Trevor Lawrence had the same problem last year. And Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect I've ever seen. He was taken number one overall. He was bad last year. He made a lot of mistakes and things that he's not used to yet. You're going to grow into it. But if you don't need to be out there, and this is why they signed Pickett or uh, Trubisky to begin with, if you don't need him to be out there, he doesn't need to be out there. Let him let him learn. Let him figure out what's going on. He's not that good. I mean, come on. Let, let's just dial it back for a minute. A veteran is, is probably right to be starting right now. I don't want to dial it back. I want to <laughs> dial it up. This is yeah, the first I, I, time. I want a lot of guys to dial it up. You know, I want to dial it up. Dial I don't want to dial it back. I feel good in this in this moment of hyperbole. Yeah, I feel good here. I, well, since I, I we're get... fired up, let me address another comment here. I want to talk about the, the, the stunts that Jacksonville threw out. Jacksonville ran a lot of stunts. Um, impressive. They're good at that. They, they did a great job with it. There was one that I watched back. And to be honest with you, I don't remember if it was a hit, a sack or both. It, it probably ended in something like that, but they ran a, a, a TE stunt, which is a tackle end stunt, which means your, your interior defensive lineman, your defensive end uh, cross over each other. So usually your defensive tackle shoots out down into uh, the offensive tackle and the defensive end waits a beat and then curls around him and goes inside of him into the, the B gap. On this particular play, the, the Jaguars ran that. I forget who the two players were. I think Key was the, the tackle, though. He ran and hit more. And um, it, 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 I don't think it was – maybe it was Walker. Walker comes around him and hits green inside of him. And you freeze it at that spot. And both Moore and Green are in good good position to handle – what it is two frames later both defensive players blew the offensive players away and <laughs> were on top of the quarterback like five frames later it was like you had it what happened you're not play through the whistle it was like they just stopped they got there they were right where they were supposed to be they saw the stunt happen in front of them and then all of a sudden whoops there they go it was just a mess Oh, uh, Jack Jacksonville's gonna be good. All right. I'm just saying that now. They're gonna be a competitive team this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, Grayson is bringing up some great points. Grayson said, I feel too good. I feel good too, Lance, but I'm about to delay gratification. You know, I'm just trying to come out of my shell. You know, I'm just trying to be <laughs> uh just extremely optimistic and be in the world of Twitter where everybody is a great player based on very limited sample size. I, just, I, love I can't it. believe that the level of optimism, though, for this team is just, it, it's amazing to me. And you heard it last year, Lance. I felt like I was on an island saying there were a seven-win team. We were, And I'm wrong because they, they pull out miracle after miracle and somehow manage to win nine games and not lose ten of them and go to the playoffs. They get destroyed by the best teams that they play. But this year, it's like they're possibly worse. You know, you, you, you guys are, it, it's, it's yeah, people tell me 11 wins. It's like 11 wins. Your offensive line gave up 50% pressure on pass downs in two preseason games, 11 wins. 
they're just going to overcome that, huh? Okay. And and I'm looking at some of the comments from my brother-in-law, Cosmos coach. Uh, they don't need to blitz the Steelers currently. There, there's no reason to. You can get you can get yeah, sufficient they, pressure. They got plenty of pressure with four guys. With, with four, you might <laughs> get pressure with three. Had no idea where they were. Yeah. <laughs> a fifth might have made it more confusing for the defense. I mean, Not it felt like. Offense. I mean, it felt like old school Pac-Man when you used to have ghost patterns. <laughs> when Pac-Man used to just run through the ghosts and they weren't there. The last point of the show that I wanted to jump into, because you, you you talked a lot. We talked a lot about Pickett. We've talked about Leal. We've talked about mm. Pickens. There's, there's something to be optimistic about. In that terms can't. of that, and I'm glad you used that word optimism. Pickett, Pickens, Lyle. Calvin Austin, Connor Haywood, Mark Robinson. And of course, the quarterback Oladokun has been cut. But yeah, fuck him. is this rookie class going to be special? This this rookie class, especially if Kenny Pickett becomes a high floor player. It looks like this class could be really special. Like we've seen flashes from all these guys. We've seen Hayward catch the ball. Show great feet. Only guy that we have not seen, we saw Mark Robinson just absolutely try to destroy everything moving. We have not seen Austin yet, but Leal, Pickens, Pickett, all of those guys have played well. I mean, is Kevin Colbert, you know, we'll, we'll give Colbert a little bit of grace on these free agent signings of these offensive linemen because we'll <laughs> wait and see. Big but, money um, guys, not so sure about we're waiting and seeing on the big money guys. We're I mean, overexcited about our sixth and seventh round draft pick. But, but, but looking at this, a good cl- place to be. But looking at this class, hell yeah. yeah. I mean, very it's, rarely do but, you see a class of five or six guys where you're like, these dudes look like they can all play. And, yeah. and you know, now that I'm in this hyperbole, I'm feeling great world because, of course, I'm celebrating my anniversary this weekend. That's probably why I feel so happy. Um, Is she nearby? Uh, no. Is she in earshot? You sure? No. No, I'm not believing that. <laughs> so, uh, <No>, she's close. <laughs> so, hey, mine, mine doesn't watch. I can say whatever I want. I think. <laughs> so, so with that being said, if if the Steelers are very good, fast forward 2027, I, I think we're going to point to this class, particularly because of Pickett. Yes. Like, so well, hopefully. You look, Hopefully, if we are really ecstatic about it, it's going to be because of Pickett. You can't avoid that. You can't bust on the quarterback in the first round and have a quarterback class. Because when you look at Tomlin, I think I don't know if it's mentioned enough, was the foundation of that team. He had a great foundation to start with for Cowers guys. But that first draft, Mm -hmm. that first draft laid the foundation when he got Woodley in in Timmons. That draft, he hit on like – Five dudes in the draft. Sepulveda Mike in that draft too, or is he um, the next year? He got he Sepulveda in that draft. He got um Robo Punter. Uh, Willie Gray. He got you know, so so he that was a really good draft. Uh what, what's your thoughts on this draft? I mean, do you think this draft is showing really good traits? Does it have kind of the could it be special? Um <clears throat> could be, yeah, sure. I mean, it'll probably 28 teams that have rookie classes that, that could be special. Here's the thing, though. You you take a quarterback with the first pick. That defines your draft. That's going to be everything, unfortunately. I don't, I don't think that's fair, but at the same time, that that's just kind of, you know, life in the big city. You have to look at that. We should be excited over what we've seen from Kenny Pickett to this point. A wide receiver with, in my opinion, top 15 talent falling into the 50s and showing that he's that guy right away, he's going to be your headliner. All due respect to Kenny Pickett, he ain't at that level. He's not the level of of um, Pickens, my opinion. I really, really like what I've seen from DeMarvin Leal, and I, I know this team can develop defensive linemen, and this kid's going to be good. He's a special player. You can see it already. For as big as he is, as quick as he is, He's going to be a force. I really like what they've what they've got with him. And my favorite guy in the draft, next to, to Pickens, who didn't even seem real to me when they drafted him, was Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin got a bum rap by all draft critics, talking about him being a slot guy. He played on the outside 
almost exclusively in college. The kid's a playmaker. You can move him inside, but more than anything, he's quick enough and he's fast enough to go outside and drag across the middle and make plays after catching the ball. We haven't gotten a chance to see a whole lot of him, and I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. They're not going to cut him, but they might take him and put him on IR because he hasn't played in an effort to, to try to keep somebody else after they clear waivers. Something like that could happen with him. Um, but long, long play with him. I, I think he's going to be a, a, an excellent player in the NFL. He's just way too quick not to be uh, much better than where he went to college. <clears throat> um, from there, Connor Hayward's impressed the hell out of me as a tight end. I've got a lot of people that are probably waiting for me to waiting for him to make the team along with TJ Watt or God, it's like the eighth name I butchered today along with Derek Watt, uh, fullback and tight end, because they were serious. They were going to move Connor Hayward to, to tight end. I didn't think there was a way he was going to do that. He impresses the hell out of me. He's a good player uh, all around as a tight end. You have to be very impressed with that. But when you get Mark Robinson, an FCS running back who's barely played defense, and he, frankly, has looked better than Devin Bush has through the preseason. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't mess around. I, I avoided the profanity this time, Lance. I know you appreciate that. The dude just gets after it. He's straight to the ball. He doesn't waste movement. That's a if, if you want to evaluate linebackers, especially inside linebackers, watch their movements immediately after the snap. That will tell you right away how good he is. Okay? If he shuffles his feet, if he dances around a bit, he doesn't know where the ball is going, and he's not a great instinctive player. He's not going to do much at the NFL. Mark Robinson has no reason to know where the ball is going, except for the fact that he's just locked into what he's doing. He knows the game. You can tell. And he shouldn't. There's no reason that he shouldn't. My opinion, he's the guy more than anybody else in this team. Probably should have been drafted a lot higher than he was. And I, something happened there. Probably his level of uh, play in, in, in concert with the fact that he didn't play linebacker before. He, I think he's going to be the guy probably the most fun to watch over the next year or two. I really think he makes the team. And that, the, to me, more than anything, that suggests the problems that they have at inside linebacker right now. But I really like his future. To go into this detail for every single player who's there, to me, that's the makings of a special class. I don't think we've seen one like this since, like, 02. You remember that team? That, yeah. that, that draft? That was Kendall Simmons, Randall L., Larry Foote, Chris Hope. Um, who else was that? Lee Mays, was he a part of that? It, it was a very, very solid foundational championship foundational building draft not superstars but all of them were players and all of them were the right guys to fill the right spots that, that team would need in two three years i think that's what they have with this class yeah i think it's a very special class i think it the, the potential mm -hmm. is there be for for me a lot of times it it's it it's it's trusting my feelings about something and you know when you come from a place of you know, you allow yourself to be convinced. It, it's odd when your antenna goes up and you go, hmm, these guys look good. Like, like it, 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 it's like, so I've watched all these guys and I'm going and I'm looking at Pops and we're talking, we're going, gee, they might have hit on all these dudes. Like, it, it just feels, it just feels different than your normal class where you get, one or two guys that are halfway decent, you know, looking at this class, you're just like, Hmm, I, I think Colbert went out with a bang here. Um, before we get out of here and we are going to try to hit it exactly on the hour. And that 2002 class was Simmons, Randall L, Chris Hope, Larry foot, Veron Hayes, Lee Mays, LeVar Glover. I and forgot Brett about Veron Haynes and Kiesel. Forgot about Kiesel. That was a great, that was a great draft there. Uh, what are you looking for um, in this last game? Um, any you put any anything into Trubisky starting the last game? I figured they just wanted to get him to get some more reps. I think for me, I think it's three games, bro. you know, instead of four. Yeah. I think if they had already played three games, it probably wouldn't. But uh, they they cut Oladokun for a reason. Um, may as well get him out there. I mean, he, he's new to the team. He's not Ben. Uh, he's new to the team. He's new to the offense. They all need work. And I think that's really what Tomlin is saying above anything else is the offense number first unit offense. You need work. You're you're playing. You're going to get out there. Uh, Rudolph probably plays the whole second half, but I, I think he would want to get the starters um, it, it, a series, maybe maybe two. But that's it. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I mean, clearly that that offensive line needs to play. Um, it, it needs to play. They need to put some good film together. They're not, they're not good enough to not, you play know, particularly right now. In, particularly in pass protection. But with that, you know, we're going to go ahead and conclude the show. Want to thank everybody for hopping on to the new standard experience. And with it, as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.